Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company, and I hope you'll find out more by visiting their website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Bob Levy. He's a constitutional scholar and chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll pick up our discussion on the basic of libertarian thought and policy. We'll also visit with Byron Donalds. Byron is a candidate for Congress in District 19, a candidate that I support, and we'll find out why Byron's running and uh, a little bit more about Byron. Rick LoCastro is a candidate for Collier County Commissioner District 1. Rick will be joining us as well as Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of several books. His latest, Everything That Happened, How Everything Happened, Including Us, How Everything Happened, Including Us. Terrific read, by the way. I read it uh, last week. By the way, if you're Andrew Jopp is typically a guest on today's show on Wednesday morning. Always look forward to his commentary. But this evening at 5.30, he's going to be honored by the Republican Women of Southwest Florida Federated uh, for being the Constitutional Conservative of the Year. He's going to get that award tonight at the Hilton Hotel. And if you'd like to find him more, we're going to be there. And if you'd like to attend, you can go to rwsff.org and uh, get tickets for tonight's event. It's inexpensive, and it's going to be really, I'm sure Andrew's going to have a chance to speak, and we'll look forward to uh, to hearing from him. It is uh, September the 23rd, and on this day in 1846, German astronomer Johann Gottfried Galle uh, discovered the planet Neptune at a Berlin observatory. Neptune, generally the eighth planet from the sun, was postulated by the French astronomer Urbain Jean Joseph Laverrier, who calculated the approximate location of the planet by studying gravity induced disturbances in the motion of Uranus. On September the 23rd, 1846, Laverrier informed Galley of his findings, and the same night, Galley and his assistant identified Neptune as their obser- at their observatory. In Berlin, noting its movement relative to the background stars over 24 hours confirmed that it was indeed a planet. The blue gas giant, which is a diameter of four times that of the Earth, was named for the Roman god of the sea. It has known eight known moons, of which Triton is the largest, and a ring system containing three bright and two dim rings. It uh, completes an orbit of the sun once every, get this, 165 years in long seasons, huh? In uh, 1989, the U.S. planetary spacecraft Voyager 2 was the first human spacecraft to visit Neptune. I didn't, I'd forgotten that if I knew it in the first place, but uh, so interesting. Just think about it, 1846 and how far we've come in terms of our scientific discovery, and ironically how little we know, quite frankly. Well, the Florida Department of Health Tuesday reported just 33 cases of COVID-19 and three additional deaths in Collier County. Cases are going down. Of course, uh, there's little reporting now on the Naples Daily News about hospitalizations and so forth. I think the activity on COVID hopefully is reducing this after school has been in, in session now for three over three weeks. It's good news. Have you been skeptical about this pandemic? I certainly have. Well, a harsh critic of the federal government's response to the coronavirus has been revealed to work at the public affairs as the public affairs specialist for the government health agency headed by Dr. Fauci. Uh, 
William Cruz has been editing and writing for the conservative site Red Site under the pseudonym Strife. He's railed against his colleagues at the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, accusing them of being part of an anti-Trump conspiracy. He's also called Fauci, the government's top infectious disease expert and director of the NAAID, attention-grabbing and media whoring, <laughs> the Daily Beast reported. Fauci and other government health officials, such as Robert Redfield, director of the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, has spent months urging the public to take the threat of COVID-19 seriously, uh, take steps to mi- mitigate the spread of the virus, and prepare for a severe flu season uh, that will compound the danger of the infection. He's also, Cruz now, has also slammed public health officials at other federal agencies for their roles in imposing economic restrictions to slow the spread of the virus. Now, I don't know if we should take this guy seriously. He's going to retire, and uh, maybe he's getting his last shot into his boss that he didn't like or something to that effect. We've all seen that in the past. But there's enough going on with false positives with amplifying the number of deaths that are certainly, quote-unquote, related to or with COVID-19. Lots of funny numbers going on, and quite frankly, I hope that somebody will check this stuff out. And, uh, you know, he's now a whistleblower. I hope he'll be treated as one and check out uh, these claims because there's enough evidence in my mind that's worth pursuing. Just my thoughts. Well, President Donald Trump said Tuesday he would announce his Supreme Court nominee at 5 p.m. on Saturday. The decision will be announced at 5 p.m. on Saturday at the White House, he told supporters at a campaign rally, by the way, at Moon Township, which we watched on uh, streaming. It was really terrific. It's near Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania. The appointment of the United States Supreme Court justice was much more important to voters than I thought, he said, and they're right because they will set policy for 50 years, whether it's life or whether it's the Second Amendment. Not sure they'll set policy, but certainly make judgments about policy. During the White House press briefing, uh, John Roberts questioned uh, White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany whether it would be possible to finish the nomination process in 37 to 38 days, and the president said he would pick from a short list of four to five possible women judges to fill the slot. And we're going to pick an incredible, brilliant woman and watch the abuse she will take, Trump said, previewing Democrat opposition to the pick during the confirmation hearings. We certainly believe we can, McAnulty said. She also said the White House would nominate a candidate who had was held a textualist and originalist understanding of the Constitution. We believe we'll get through the approval process pretty quickly, she said, and promised to nominate justices in the mold of Justice Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. The president's already met with uh, Judge Amy Coney Barrett on Monday and expects to meet with Judge Barbara Lagoa on Friday. Now, she's the uh, judge here in Florida that was elevated uh, from her judgeship uh, by uh, President Trump earlier. Uh, so she's she's also a high-flying star. There's uh, four other, three other judges that are in the run, running as well. But we'll find out Saturday at 5 p.m., I'm sure, in a televised announcement. By the way, Joe Biden suggests Sunday that he never promised to release his list of potential Supreme Court nominees. 
Of course, this is false. In June, Biden promised a list, though he gave no specific date for releasing it. Later in June himself, he said that he was working on a list of potential Supreme Court nominees consisting solely of African-American women and said he would release it eventually. We're putting together a list of African-American women who are qualified and have an experience to be in the court. I'm not going to release that until we go further down the line and vetting them as well, said uh, Biden. Earlier this month, for example, Trump said Joe Biden has refused to release his list, perhaps because he knows the names are so extremely far left they could never withstand public scrutiny or receive acceptance. So Biden's holding out uh, on his list. And by the way, uh, he's so exhausted from his trip to Wisconsin yesterday, he started off in the morning by shutting down for the day. His campaign called a lid, that means not any more activity with the press, before 10 a.m., 42 days before, that is 42 days before the election, and Biden is staying in his basement, napping for most of the day. Biden has called a little before noon, 36% of the day since September, in September so far, 36% of the days, and he's running for president. This is the eighth time he shut down in September. Meanwhile, President Trump is holding massive rallies around the country. He held two different rallies in Ohio yesterday to tens of thousands of supporters. I don't know if you had a chance to see it, but finally the uh, the press did scan the crowd. It was just so impressive to see all the people that showed up, many uh, with masks. There's no quitting Sleepy Joe, is there? But uh, by the way, in Wisconsin, Biden screwed up the Pledge of Allegiance <laughs> during a campaign speech. I pledge allegiance to the United States of America, one nation indiv- indivisible under God for real. <laughs> said Monday's slip-up marks the second campaign gaffe this week after the former vice president wrongly claimed that 200 million had perished from the novel coronavirus, uh, when in fact the number was more like 200,000. So Sleepy Joe, he's having a hard time. Boy, this debate's coming up. I wonder if he's going to show up. And by the way, uh, billionaire Michael Bloomberg is now trying to buy the election for Joe Biden. The failed presidential hopeful Michael Bloomberg raised $16 million to help pay fines for thousands of felons in Florida so they can vote. Uh, House Judiciary Committee member Matt Gates, uh, he's, of course, a Republican from Florida. What an outspoken and great young man he is. Anyhow, he said that uh, he was spoken with Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody about the potentially launching a bribery investigation into the former New York mayor, of course, Michael Bloomberg. And one last comment, the House passed a stopgap spending bill that will keep the government funded through December 11th after working out a deal with Republicans. So they can't work out a deal so on uh, uh, the stimulus package, but at least they're going to keep the government in going until uh, December 11th. And then, of course, the new administration, and they'll figure out where to go from there. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit uh, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Coming up, we're going to visit with Bob Levy. He's an author. He's written several books. He's also the uh, constitutional scholar and chairman of the Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network.
I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Gulf Shore Playhouse, devoted to creating professional New York-style theater at its very best and at affordable prices, presents a fabulous new season of productions beginning in November with a world premiere of a one-man show written by and starring the talented associate artistic director of Gulf Shore Playhouse, Jeffrey Bender. Pinup Girls opens in January, singing a cavalcade of hits inspired by real letters from our troops overseas. Inspired by what they find funny, romantic, heartbreaking, and sexy, the ladies put on a show that celebrate the guys and gals who fight to defend our country. Bang Bang opens in March, written by legendary actor of Monty Python fame, John Cleese. You'll surely be wiping away tears of laughter with this one. William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream opens in March. Meddling parents, impetuous young lovers, and cunning fairies collide in Shakespeare's enchanting classic. Another Revolution by Jacqueline Bircher opens in May. You won't want to miss this timely new work about finding hope in one another through the uncertainty of the world around us. What a terrific season of productions. Tickets for this great new season are available now. Tickets start at only $38. Tickets can be purchased by calling the box office at 866-811-4111 or visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It is brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and building a wonderful performing arts center in downtown Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Byron Donalds, candidate for Congress in District 19. Right now, as I mentioned before the break, we have Bob Levy, constitutional scholar and chairman of the Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Good to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C., and focused on free markets, private property, securing individual rights, and limited government. C-A-T-O dot O-R-G on the web. Cato.org. So, Bob, we've uh, been talking about the uh, basics of uh, libertarianism thought for the past few weeks, and uh, what we've noted previously that uh, property rights have kind of taken a back seat compared to individual or, or rights like freedom of speech and so forth. So what should be done to restore protections for property rights and economic liberty? Well, for all practical purposes, the Supreme Court, even though it's been more or less dominated by conservatives of late, has ceded uh, nearly 
unbridled authority of government when it comes to economic uh, regulations. So we've had the judicial branch sort of abdicating and reading economic rights out of the Constitution. So mm-hmm. the, the answer, of course, is to rehabilitate those rights through some principled judicial engagement. Um, now, that that means that, that uh, adherence to precedent can't extend to a refusal to examine some of these wrongly decided cases, like mm-hmm. Kilo, the eminent domain case, or the casket cartel case that we talked about. So the, the trick is to d- distinguish proper from improper judicial intervention. And for that, the members of the court have to have a theory of the Constitution about separation of powers and federalism, limited government, individual rights. And they have to have an allegiance to that theory. Uh, judicial engagement is really imperative if we're going to honor these uh, principles of expansive freedom and uh, tightly constrained legislative and executive uh, powers. Unfortunately, those principles have been selectively ignored by liberals and even by uh, conservatives on the court. Um, So we're hoping that the current uh, nominees are going to have such a theory, and I think the names I've heard, uh, that looks pretty good. Yeah, that does look good. A big, big decision being made this week and announced, of course, on Saturday, the next Supreme Court right. justice. So should be very interesting. But to your point, uh, boy, the slippery slope, slope towards socialism is uh, one of the things that's so important is having uh, property rights and economic uh, liberty protected. And uh, so far, the court has not done a great job. And to your point, we need to restore it. So speaking right. about judicial intervention, some critics complain the judicial activists invented the right to privacy, which doesn't appear anywhere in the Constitution. What do libertarians think about the right to privacy? Well, you know, as we've talked a lot of times, we we have lots of rights that don't appear in the Constitution. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Ninth Amendment says that the enumeration of rights in the Constitution shouldn't be interpreted to mean that those are all the ones we have. So we had rights before the Constitution was written and even before the government was uh, formed. And in fact, Madison opposed the Bill of Rights initially because he was concerned that if you list some of the rights that might be misconstrued to mean that you didn't have any rights that weren't listed. So he he added the Ninth Amendment to avoid that uh, to avoid that problem. Now, having said that, uh, the word privacy is a bit too amorphous uh, to provide much guidance. So nobody believes that you have the right to murder me just because it's in the privacy of your own home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everybody agrees that you have the right to watch TV in the privacy of of your own home. So the, the issue in those each of those cases are respectively the right to murder and the right to watch TV. Mm-hmm. So why muddy the water by, you know, kind of trying to group them together and calling them uh, privacy rights? But boys, it emerged it's such an important issue now with big tech, and hopefully uh, uh, we'll take a look at that because it hasn't been addressed appropriately yet, in, quite, in my opinion. Correct. I agree. So what about abortion? Isn't the debate really about right to privacy? Yeah, but, you know, you have to think about a couple of cases that are often characterized as privacy cases. Uh, Roe v. Wade, uh, the abortion case, and uh, Lawrence v. Texas, which said that homosexuals can engage in consensual sex in the privacy of their own homes. So I don't think it serves much useful purpose to lump those two cases as privacy cases, as if the outcome in one necessarily uh, dictates the outcome in the other. The question in Roe was the right to abort, and that could mean murder if life begins at conception, or it could mean 
the mother's freedom to control her own body if life doesn't begin until till birth. The issue in Lawrence was quite different. It was the freedom to engage in consensual acts without injury to anyone other than uh, the participants, if indeed to them. So the, the Supreme Court had no business involving itself, in my view, in Roe, mm-hmm. because there was no objective basis by which the nine justices could determine whether abortion is a deprivation of the right to life. That question hinges on whether the fetus is a living human being, which is a philosophic, religious, scientific quandary about which uh, the Supreme Court has no particular moral authority. But on the other hand, the court had every reason to involve itself in the Lawrence case, which didn't involve the violation of anybody's rights. Uh, A ban on consensual sodomy within a home, uh, just like a ban on watching TV within a home, is is certainly a deprivation of liberty uh, under the Constitution. Yeah, but I, mean, I guess some, some people would say, well, but there, there's a moral impl- uh, implication as well. And of course, uh, as you've pointed out on the show before, it's the, the, those issues may be moral issues and should be considered by people in their own privacy, but uh, certainly not in, in the rule of law. Exactly. Certainly not nine justices telling the rest of us uh, what the moral rules ought to be. Yeah, you know, that, absolutely. That kind of morality is not the province of the court. The court's supposed to address law in the Constitution. So if the Supreme Court shouldn't be involved in setting the rules for abortion, who should be involved? Should it be the legislature, or is abortion a medical issue to be resolved between a mother and her doctor? Well, in in my view, and I, I uh, consider myself pro-choice, um, it's a matter to be resolved by voters in each state acting through the state legislature. So uh, when it's possible that somebody's rights are being violated, uh, either the mother's right to control her body or the fetus's right to life, uh, we can't leave matters in the hands of private parties who may have an interest uh, in the outcome. You know, suppose a mother and her doctor decided uh, to kill a sickly infant because the mother's mental health would improve, or a son decided to kill an elderly mother with a doctor's help because the son would be relieved of emotional stress. So, you know, those actions quite obviously and clearly are crimes, uh, but only because... The political process has declared them to be uh, crimes, mm-hmm. and that decision can't be left to individual doctors and their patients. Uh, the doctors, no less than the rest of us, occasionally do bad things. Mm-hmm. So through our state legislators, we can, we can declare what actions are impermissible. And those people who are grieved, they have a ready remedy available. They can vote with their feet and go elsewhere where the rules are different. So well said. So, so why do so many citizens disobey the Constitution? Why are so many citizens ignorant of the Constitution? Shouldn't our schools do a better job of teaching the Constitution? Well, the obvious question to the last part is definitely they should, and yes, they don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the first question, why do, <clears throat> why do citizens disobey the Constitution? <clears throat> you know, the Constitution, and again, we've, we've mentioned this before on, on the show, the Constitution is not a criminal code that citizens have to obey. Uh, The Constitution has two primary objectives. Secure individual rights, limit the power of government. So it's not the people, it's not the citizens who are required to obey the Constitution. It's the government. The Constitution is first and foremost a code of conduct for the legislative, the executive, and the judicial branches uh, of of the government. Now, the the document's not well understood uh, by most Americans, and the blame does lie at the doorstep of our uh, educational system. You know, ironically, we had 
Robert Byrd, who was supposed to be the constitutional expert in Congress, introduced legislation requiring that all schools receiving federal assistance, and by the way, that's just about most public schools and many private schools, mm-hmm. have to have a Constitution Day program commemorating the signing of the Constitution. It's a great idea, except for one problem, and that is nowhere in the Constitution is Congress authorized to tell local schools what they ought to be teaching. Right. So it's kind of ironic that the dean of the Senate and the self-proclaimed expert on the Constitution actually proposed an unconstitutional method for teaching uh, the Constitution. But it's quite clear that something has to be done at the edu- with the educational system Absolutely. To, um, to remedy this problem. Absolutely, and of course, it's actually uh, the there are eighteen enumerated powers that the government has, and nothing beyond that. Of course, they've way exceeded that. It'd be great to get just get back to uh, constitutional principles and and acknowledge individual liberty and uh, property rights. Well, we're hopeful that uh, that's the way this current uh, confirmation process will. We'll move in the right direction. Yeah. Bob Levy, again, the chairman of the Cato Institute. Cato.org is the website. C-A-T-O.org. Bob, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to be with you, Bob. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Byron Donalds, candidate for Congress in District 19. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, 
Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. One of the initiatives is creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. In my opinion, it's a moral imperative. I proudly serve on their board, and I hope you'll check them out, thefga.org. Coming up, I'm going to visit with Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Right now, we have with us Byron Donalds, uh, now serving as our state representative and candidate uh, for U.S. Congress in District 19. Byron, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Oh, good, Byron. I hope you are as well. I'm doing great. Outstanding. So, Byron, I want to talk to you about your campaign, but before I do, I always appreciate your commentary on what's happening nationally, and of course, what could be more important right now than the nomination of a Supreme Court justice to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg? What are your thoughts? The president, like, and, you know, he's doing the right thing. He has to make the appointment. He has to decide to he wants to put on the court because he is the president uh, he has a responsibility to fill vacancies and i think that he's going to make that appointment in short order i think now at this point uh, i know the white house has already put that out he has put that out that he's going to he's going to do that and i think he's doing the right thing mm-hmm. you know it's very interesting you know watching this you know obviously um the, the number one thing is uh you know our prayers go to um ruth Bader ginsburg's family um, her children uh, that that she's that she's uh, leaving behind, and, and the grandchildren uh, that she has. I think you know, taking a step back and just to take a moment to to think about her. You know, it's without question she was a pioneer mm-hmm. um, in American politics and in uh, America's justice system. Without it, without a doubt, she was a pioneer. Um, I didn't really agree with her politics, and I didn't really agree with a lot of her rulings, but. The fact remains that you know she is was has definitely been a force on the court, really, and in, in American politics um, for you know the, the two to three decades she was on the Supreme Court. That being said, um, I know the the news media is trying to push what um, I think I guess her last wishes were um, through uh, the words of of her daughter, but that's irrelevant. The mm-hmm. Constitution is what stands, not what the wishes are of a ju- of a judge or a politician or, frankly, any individual. Right. We are a nation of laws. And so with our Constitution, it's very clear that the president has a responsibility to make appointments, to fill vacancies on the court. And those vacancies are that, and that, that appointment. It has to be confirmed by the United States Senate. The other thing to take note of this, Bob, is that, you know, basically, this is not new. This actually happens m- more often than people realize. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been uh, more than 20 times, I believe, throughout the history of the country where a president has had to make an appointment to the Supreme Court in the last year of his of his his term or in whether it's the, the first term or second term. Yeah. This has happened many, many times before. The last one was obviously Barack Obama in 2016. Um, he made the decision to to nominate um, Merrick Garland to the court, and Merrick Garland never got a hearing because mm-hmm. the Republican-controlled Senate decided they didn't want to hear from uh, Mr. Garland. That did happen, but I think what's, what the, obviously what the left is upset about is because they know that the Senate is going to confirm, and I'm glad that Mitt Romney decided to decided that he would. Um, cast a vote to confirm. And I'm also glad that Lisa Murkowski is now reversing course 
she came out and, and, and announced that she would uh, that she would have to decide who the appointment was, who the nominee was, and then that would determine who where her vote is. Mm-hmm. So I think, the, I think the politics are clear here. Um, the president has a responsibility to nominate. I think I believe Mitch McConnell is going to do everything he can to confirm that nominee. Um, and frankly, that's what we should be doing now. For the left, oh yeah, they're furious. Yeah. I mean, their their biggest thing is. Well, he shouldn't do this. The election is is a couple is you know weeks away now, um, and that may be, but the Constitution doesn't put in any caveats because because of elections. Right. The, the president has a responsibility. He's going to fulfill his responsibilities, and I think the big thing here is obviously because uh, the Republicans control the Senate and the White House. This nominee is going to get confirmed. Yeah. You know, uh, I think in the process, so I'm so concerned about a debacle like we experienced with Brett Kavanaugh. That was one of the low points of watching United States senators behaving in the way that they behaved in trashing this outstanding, noble, now Supreme Court, or Supreme Court justice. I just wonder if perhaps they're going to do this again and drag whoever he nominates in through the mud like uh, they did before. Well, I think the left has, a, you know, the, the left and specifically Kamala Harris, who sits on the Judiciary Committee, and that's what makes this really interesting. Uh, they have a decision they're going to have to make. Is it worth it with the whole nation watching and yeah. the whole nation will be watching? Yeah. Is it worth it to essentially drag this nominee through the mud? Yeah. What's the impact going to be on the American people? Yeah. See, I remember the Kavanaugh hearings. They were you know, a travesty in my opinion. Yeah. But I also believe a lot of midterm races were swung because of the nastiness that the Democrats pulled on in the Kavanaugh uh, nomination nominating hearings. And so they have a they have a decision they're gonna make. Are they gonna go the road of um, making sure and vetting this nominee to make sure that they're qualified to be on the court? Or are they gonna go to unfortunately what the left does a lot the politics of personal destruction to try to make this nominee so unpalatable yeah. that the president pulls the pick. Um, yeah. I will tell you right now, this president's not pulling his pick. No, he's not. Um, so we'll see what they decide to do. Absolutely. I want to point out that Byron uh, is uh, debating tomorrow evening, actually, yeah, the 20, 24th. It's going to be a live uh uh, debate with uh, Cindy Lynn Bagne, his uh, op- opposition in the Democrat Party. That's going to be the 24th. Let's see. You probably know the details better than I. I'm trying to read this right now, but it's at the Greek Orthodox Church, is it not? That is correct. And uh, it's going to be live streamed, though. That's how I'm going to be watching it. So uh, uh, you can find out more by visiting uh, Florida FL, uh, Florida Action. Uh, FLCA action. It is FLCaction.org. Again, that's going to be from 5.30 to 7. No, is it 5 to 7? 5 to 7 p.m. Uh, tomorrow evening. So I'm looking, yeah. you know, and the reason I'm saying this is because, Byron, I, I support you and your candidacy, but uh, when you see Byron in juxtaposition to his competition to who wants to, to, to take that job, Byron will be head and shoulders above the uh, instructor at FGCU, uh, Cindy Lynn Bonnier. So it's a great opportunity. If if that's something you want to do, otherwise, just vote for Byron. <laughs> visit By- <laughs> visit ByronDonalds.com is the website. Byron, always appreciate you. How- By the way, last comment. How's the campaign going? Campaign's going great. Looking forward to the debate tomorrow. Uh, we're going to get back in the field. We're knocking on doors. Uh, we're contacting voters. 
and we're not taking it for granted. We're not going to sit back and just let, you know, votes roll in, um, even though we believe we're going to be successful um, in 43 days. I want to say 43 or 42 days. Um, But we're going to go out and work hard and, and do everything we can to take our message to all voters and, that's what we're doing in November. All right. ByronDonalds.com is the website. Byron, really support you. Looking forward to your victory in November the 3rd. And genuinely appreciate you coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Bob. You have a great day. You as well. Thank you. All right. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Rick LaCastro. He's the candidate for Kanye County Commissioner in District 1. Uh, we're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You listen to the Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I do want to do a little shout-out for Lulubee's Diner at the Green Tree Shopping Center. They do a great job of supporting St. Matthew's House, the commercial you just heard, and they do a terrific job. They serve great breakfast and lunch as well. So I hope you'll uh, go to patronize Lulubee's Diner at the Green Tree Shopping Center. Coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of How Everything Happened, Including Us. Right now we have with us Rick LaCastro. He's a candidate for Collier County, the Republican candidate for Collier County Commissioner in District 1. Rick, thank you so much for joining us. 
Oh, thank you, Bob. Good morning. Good morning, Rick. So uh, tell us about, I, I had the privilege of uh, moderating a forum. It was ex- outstanding because I had a chance to see all the candidates running in this particular, uh, for the primaries, that is, and uh, you were victorious, which uh, certainly you're a standout candidate in, in the forum, and I just really congratulate you on your victory in the primary. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was a, it was a good day, but we got one more to go. We got one more to go, indeed. So, uh, tell us for our listeners that may not be familiar with uh, you, Rick, uh, and your very impressive background. Tell us about yourself. Well, um, I'm an Air Force Academy graduate. Graduated in 1988 and had a 24-year career in the United States Air Force. Retired as a full colonel. Um, had 16 different assignments, worked for both President Bushes and was honored to be a base commander several times. Actually got to go back to the Air Force Academy and be the first graduate base commander. I uh, was also a, a commander at Eglin Air Force Base up in the Panhandle of Florida um, and uh, one of the senior commanders at Andrews Air Force Base where we have Air Force One and that's where I did a lot of work with President Bush. And then what brought me to Naples is when I decided to, I never say retire from the Air Force, I always say um, uh, conclude my military career because I didn't feel retired. Uh, I was recruited by Health Management Associates, which is the company that owns Physicians Regional and a host of other hospitals um, here in, uh, in Naples and all over the country. I was recruited to be their chief operating officer of their um, Collier Boulevard Hospital in East Naples. They uh, they were since taken over while I was there by another company out of Tennessee. So a little change of hands, but you know I was committed to this community, and I've I've been here um, since uh, 2012 when I um, when I retired from the Air Force, and uh, you know I just love Collier County, and now this is a chance to give back and to serve, and uh, you know I've been doing that my whole career. Yeah, well, that's just uh, the the uh, missions that you've outlined here. Clearly capable of uh, helping to manage a budget, to make good decisions with regard to Cuyahoga County. So I certainly support your uh, candidacy. So uh, tell us why you're running. Well, you know, it was a group of citizens that actually called me back in August. Um, obviously, I've got big shoes to fill, fill with Commissioner Fiala retiring after 20 years. Mm. And they were just concerned that as she was exiting and you had an empty seat, a lot of candidates, you know, quickly jump jump into the race. And the bottom line is you really need to have deep experience and qualifications. Collier County has changed a lot um, in her 20 years and and, and even beyond. And having uh, five county commissioners that are qualified to manage our $2 billion budget, um, you know, local politics, uh, the jobs are always important, but no more uh, so than now. And people that I really respect and admire had asked me to consider running. And this is my district as well. This is my county. And President Reagan used to say, if not you, who? And, you know, I, I learned from some, some solid patriotic Italian parents and from my time in the military that when people you respect and admire ask you to do something, I'm not saying you do it um, automatically in five seconds, but you don't give them a five-second answer of no for selfish reasons. And I have really been blessed with um, a lot of experience and a very unique background and some incredible mentors. And I've always said local politics is about giving back. But you have to have something to give back. And so I feel like I've definitely gotten experience out in the real world and even been a leader here in Collier County and putting that in the seat, uh, in, in the District 1 seat and combining it with four other commissioners that have deep resumes as well is what I think is great for the for the county. And so I feel honored um, to represent uh, District 1 if I'm victorious in, on November 3rd. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll serve as a strong leader the way I, I feel like I have my entire career. And I'm extremely proud and humbled to be able to do that. 
Absolutely. And I'm looking at your website right now. RickLocastro.com is the website. Check it out. And, of course, uh, money is the mother milk of politics. So make a contribution and support Rick. I want to ask you about just a couple of uh, local issues right now. Of course, one of the issues that was very polarizing is the Cuyahoga County Commissioners voting to have a mask mandate in Collier County. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I'm the only candidate, and, and maybe even when you include the commissioners, um, that has a, a health care background. I'm not a physician, but in the military, I commanded bases that had large medical centers, um, way bigger than Physicians Regional here in Naples. So I'm no stranger to helping run and lead hospitals. And then I did it here in Collier County. So I've worked with a lot of people in the in the medical community and continue to do so very close with Paul Hiltz at NCH, our, our new CEO there that's doing an amazing job. I've handed out thousands of free masks um, over the past um, you know, six or, or eight months. Um, I don't support the mandate, but I support wearing masks if people feel like they are, um, you know, uh, are, are, are at risk or they just feel it gives them peace of mind. But, but passing a law mandating it, I mean, I have been following the science and I know there's, there's people on both sides, but I literally have gotten probably maybe, maybe a thousand or, or more um, uh, uh, emails and contacts of people that feel the same way that I do. Mm-hmm. Wear the mask if you walk into a customer service type of a facility or a restaurant. If I was the owner, I obviously would have my employees in masks just for, um, you know, to, for that extra added coverage. But passing a law, making it mandatory isn't something with the with what I've seen now um, I would support. Um, but on the flip side, like I say, I'm supportive of people wearing masks. So I'm not one of those people that think it's a hoax and, right. you know, uh, nobody should be in masks or whatnot. But um, I would have sided with Commissioner Fiala and Commissioner McDaniel who voted against the mandate uh-huh. um, with the information I have right now. But you have to continue to monitor. And a lot of counties that have not passed the mass mandate, their numbers are dropping at, at very similar rates as counties that have passed the mandate. So, you know, there's a lot of information out there to follow. But I think using good common sense and social distancing and all the things that we strongly suggest um, are are. are is is uh, good for our citizens, but we don't necessarily need to pass a law and uh, and you know have uh, have our our yeah. police force monitoring masks um, on folks that are driving vehicles um, by themselves or walking down the beach or um, you know swimming with a mask. I, I just um, that's not something that I think is uh, required. Yeah, no, I just uh, well, I, you just elevated my already high opinion about. <laughs> about you and your decision-making, Rick. So I totally agree. I think the governor's done a great job of managing this entire process. And uh, quite frankly, we all have our, uh, our healthy self-interest in our own health and the people that we love and care about around us. We can make good decisions. We don't need the government stepping in and making those decisions for us. So, Yes, sir. Uh, and, you know, before I let you go, anything else that you want our, our listeners to know about you? Well, I just, I think that this is an important time in our county where you need leaders that have experience and qualifications. That was a platform I, I ran on. Um, everybody always talks about, oh, what are the, what are your top, what's in your top five lists? And one of the things I always say is um, you can go to any high school and interview the valedictorian and they know what the, what, what's in the top five environment growth and, um, and, and, and a host of other things, healthcare, education. The bottom line is, have you ever done those things? You know, yeah. I've heard candidates talk about, oh, we have to manage growth, but then, you know, you do a deep dive into their resume and they've never done it before. Right. I feel blessed that I'm, I'm able to, to, to take the experience that I had running very large military bases and large companies and the leadership that I've gained over the years and be able to put it in the seat. And now more than ever with COVID and all the environmental 
institutional issues we have, the economic um, uh, type of, of, of things that we've been under during COVID. Uh, now more than ever, you need five county commissioners that have uh, deep experience. And sometimes people say to me, wow, you know, you look at your resume, you might be overqualified to be a county commissioner. And I laugh at that because I think how lucky we would be to be in a county that had five overqualified commissioners. Yeah, absolutely. If you came to my hospital and you needed your appendix removed, do you want the overqualified surgeon or the underqualified <laughs> one? So I don't know that I'm overqualified, but I've, I'm excited to bring the qualifications I do have and to make smart, common sense decisions. And I consider this a job where I'm the employee and the citizens are my boss. And I think, you know, some politicians have forgotten that. Yeah. And I, I said on the campaign trail, I'm not running to be a politician. I'm running to be a public servant. Yeah. And that's something that I've I've done my entire military and even, you know, civilian career after that. And I mean that sincerely. And, um, you know, I look to bring, you know, integrity and leadership to the District 1 seat and get to work. We've All got right. a lot to do. And so uh, I'm ready to, to do it. And right. I appreciate everybody's support. All right, Rick. And I guess I, you show up on the ballot on people that live in District 1 one so if uh, but figure out just support rick we def definitely will benefit by having rick as a collier county commissioner rick lacastro.com is the website rick genuinely appreciate you coming on the show thanks so much for joining us thanks bob have a great day appreciate you, it you as well thank you all right coming up we're going to visit with larry bell endowed professor at the university of houston in space architecture that and more right here on the bob harden show on the bob harden broadcasting network Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tammy Amy Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulubee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... 
Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best, and of course, building this wonderful performing arts center in the middle of downtown Naples. I hope you'll visit the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us, as I mentioned before the break, Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He's also the author of several books. His latest, I just read it last week, it is terrific. It's called How Everything Happened, Including Us. Professor Bell, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, it's always fun to be on. Thank you so much. Thank you, Professor. Well, in addition to all that you're doing, you're also writing, uh, I'm guessing, weekly or bi-weekly columns uh, for Newsmax. It's The uh, column is called On Point. Your latest is Battle to Fill Ginsburg Vacancy Will Be Brutal, Consequential. Boy, no truer words were ever said. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, I think this is shaping up to be quite a quite a deal, you know, where uh, what more can happen in 2020, right? right. Um, between COVID and riots and his absolute uh, craziness, and then of course Justice Ginsburg passing away and uh, leaving the leaving the Supreme Court open with a vacancy and, and uh, that's a, you know, it promises to be a real, a real battle, but of course, I think it's, it's encouraging that it seems like the Republicans have have the votes to uh, to have a pre-election uh, confirmation, very likely, you know, a little bit iffy on getting the timing done in, before the election, but, but it's been done before, and there's a lot of uh, desire to do so, and I think it's critical, the... Uh, Critical to have have this uh, decided before the election. I think uh, there's every likelihood that the the call on the election won't won't come on election night. It'll be delayed because of uh, you know because of vote counts in various states and postmarks on envelopes and that kind of stuff. And and the Democrats are all lawyered up to contest the results. And you can imagine the pandemonium ensuing after the election where where it's not determined and people rioting against, uh, you know, the senator's homes and, and, the, and the Supreme Court in the street to, you know, over the uh, Supreme Court uh, uh, decision and so on. So it's, I think having a lot of this, you know, having some of this resolved, it's not going to make things, not going to make things go away. No. But, uh, but I think it makes, it takes some of the, some of the variables out of the picture. No, I, I definitely agree with that. And, uh, you, you know, uh, I, I just think about the the what happened with Brett Kavanaugh. My hope is whoever he nominates uh, will not go be dragged through the mud like uh, Brett Kavanaugh was, which was maybe the lowest point I've ever witnessed in my life to see something like that, uh, was just absolutely brutal and horrible. So I'm I'm hopeful that the process can be... <laughs> Can it that it be a little bit more elevated in terms of human behavior? Well, when you look at what the, you know, this is a pattern because you know when when uh, Bork's name was turned into a verb to be Bork, you know, and mm-hmm. the treatment of Bork when he was you know years ago, and and then of course Clarence Thomas, and and it was totally slimed, and then Kavanaugh. But you would hope the Democrats would learn that uh, then following the midterm that the Republicans picked up two seats in the Senate, so. Uh, and and then again, we're going to have a, a female candidate, you know, female uh, nominee, uh, 
which, uh, you know, if it's, if it's uh, any of them, you know, to attack a woman is not really very woke these days. And so, so maybe that will temper it a little bit, but uh, it's going to, it's going to be a, a bloody thing. And I don't think, I don't think the Democrats have done anything to discourage violence in the streets. Right. In the event that things go uh, left, what you know, go you know, go 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 uh, askance as far as their interests are concerned, and and uh, I think they're really blackmailing the, the Republicans. Of course, they're they're very clear about it. Schumer came out with Casio Cortez and said, you know, we're going to be nothing's off the table. And then Pelosi's kind of smug. She comes out and says, we got arrows in our quiver and. It's pretty clear they, you know, they plan to pack the court. You know, they want to yeah. get two to four more uh, court seats. The, the Constitution doesn't doesn't prevent that, but and they'll try to push the Senate by, uh, you know, get some more blue votes by uh, getting statehood for Puerto Rico and, and Washington D.C. And then they they want to kill a sixty vote filibuster and and so on. And so these are these are clear threats they're making. Mm-hmm. And but then again, those things. They, are things they do anyway? You know, it's independent of of uh, I think that you know the uh, confirmation of, of the next Supreme Court justice. You know, I think they're going to the notion that if if we play nice with them, things are going to change is just not rational. I know, Professor, I absolutely agree with you, with, with that. And uh, you know, qu- quite frankly, just it just looks like to me like they're trying to tear this country down and change it into a socialist nation, uh, where we have central control as, as opposed to what the founders had in mind, which was a, a division of power, make sure that nobody had has, has enough power to uh, become like King George the Third, for example. So, uh, I, in my opinion. Uh, and I'd appreciate yours. I, I think right now they're just hoping that Biden, they're putting lipstick on a pig to use a phrase and, and hoping that he appears moderate enough to be a, to attract those people that might be on the margin. And they're hoping that the Trump derangement syndrome will win the day. And they they're hoping that uh, their weak candidate will uh, be able to sell the never Trump guy idea. Well, they don't have a vision to sell. You know, and they, you know, they, they have absolutely no vision. There's nothing. They have no track record to run on, and mm-hmm. of course, Trump does. And so, there. So one one aspect is they hate Trump. You know, Trump is is terrible, and so on. The other thing is is the is so-called mismanagement of the of the coronavirus. I've got a I've got a couple articles coming up on that. Um, of, you know, you, you compare what what Biden has said he would do with the coronavirus, and Trump's already done them. You know, and 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 it's and and uh, I think it's a losing argument because, yeah. you know, first of all, we the country doesn't want to be cut, shut down any longer. You know, businesses can't can't stand it. I understand that about ninety percent of the restaurants in New York can't pay their rent, and uh, you know the country wants to open up. They people want to get their kids back in school, particularly young kids. They need to, well, not just get young kids, but they need to socialize and be with their friends and. Learn how to, you know, be with other people, and 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 uh, you know, the, the, a lot of parents, you know, have to get back to work, and they can't homeschool, and so I think all the arguments uh, that people really want, they want security, and they see crime going into not only major cities but into the neighborhoods, and and so security is a big thing. They worry about their four hundred one ks and their jobs, and the and that's I think a Republican issue, and. Yeah, and uh, you know, so many things. I don't think that the Democrats have any issues 
on their side. And and yet uh, you, you hope that people, you hope there's this this uh, bashful, quiet uh, group that's, that's going to go to the polls and uh, turn out with uh, enthusiasm, but then a, a big worry about the ballot fraud. You yeah, know, and, yeah. and uh, it's... it's uh, Terminal times, you know, understatement. No question. Again, Professor, I, I, great comments, and I appreciate your commentary on the show. I also want to point out to our listeners, great read. Go to Amazon, check out How Everything Happened, Including Us, by Larry Bella. Great read. Also, check out On Point on Newsmax.com. You can find Professor Bell's uh, columns. Professor, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. I always enjoy it, Bob, so thank you so much. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Always appreciate your comments. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. If you'd like to be get the newsletter I send out after every show, again, bobharden at hotmail.com. We have great guests for tomorrow's show, including Keith Law, the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance, Michael Cannon, is the uh, Director of Healthcare Studies at the Cato Institute. Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, always appreciate his commentary as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>